Hello, Chris. How are you today? Fine. Hello. I'm doing. I'm doing well. Um, so glad for the heat to have broken here a little bit. So, I'm in Minnesota. It broke a little bit yesterday, just a tad, just a tad. So yeah. So it's uh, much better. Much better today than it was the last few days. So yeah, it's really interesting when you really can tell the difference in the sun and the shade. Like it's a 20, per, 20 degree difference here in Minnesota. Yeah. So. So Chris, you're. Um, you're taking care of, you know, all things. My Dr. Sue is on her leave. And yesterday you shared your sermon message. Um, but before we get to that, because I do have questions, as our okay. audience knows, um, tell us a little bit about you and why you went into Christian education. Um, well, um, you know, I felt a call to ministry, um, to being involved in the church back when I was in high school. Um, and it took a few years to figure out what that was because all I had ever seen was a pastor. Um, but um, the idea of preaching every week was just, it was not very exciting to me, uh, something that I wanted to do. Um, I, but I also grew up in a family of educators. Mom, grand, grandmother, grandfather were all public school teachers. Um, so I guess a little bit of that was in me um, as well as being an educator. Um, and then I discovered the position or role of, of a church educator. Um, the wife of my pastor growing up was a church educator, and uh, she introduced me to that possibility, and it sounded fantastic. Um, sounded exactly what I, what I wanted to do, was, uh, which is to engage with people in discussion and sharing and teaching. Um, not, uh, not, only the, not only God's Word, the Bible, but also teaching people how to read and think critically about the Bible, um, um, which probably came through a little bit in my sermon today, um, is about somewhat reading and thinking critically about the Bible as opposed to just any kind of one, one particular passage. But um, but that's kind of how I got started in Christian education, and I've been doing it now for well over 25 years. Um, this is my third call in those 25 years. Um, and uh, yeah. It's still what I love and it's what I love to do. And so oh, I'm still doing it. Well, good for you, Chris. And thank you for your good work. I've had the pleasure of watching you, especially with the the little the little ones in church services. So nicely yep. done. It's always, a, it's always fun when the little ones kind of, sh, you know, run to the front of the sanctuary and sit down for a few minutes. And I yes. always learn something with from what you're trying to share with them. Maybe that's because I need everything dumbed down just a little bit, so. Well, my wife is an educator as well, and we often hear that. But um, I think that's because, um, yeah, we take what can be a complicated subject and make it fairly simple. Uh, uh -huh. So that's who we're, we're talking to, you know, five-year-olds. And so you can't get too complex. And so we keep it simple. Well, there's, there's something to said for that. You know, people who do, um, who create curriculum, they, they typically create um, content at like the third grade level. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, there's a, there's a yep. reason for that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but you, so I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because your sermon got me like, Ooh, I can finally have this conversation. I wanted to have with somebody because you opened the door. So, so um, the Bible, it's a book. There's a book full of stories from a lot of different influences and people and different perspectives and spans a long, it's a, it spans a 
I don't know how many years the story spent, but a lot. And you said something just now about the Bible being something that you have to kind of critically think at. So I liken, you know, the Bible studies a little bit to book group, right? Where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of us in around the globe that are doing book groups, right? And you, you come together to have a, a respectful, but critical, you know, not critical, respectful dialogue about, you know, whatever the book and the story was. Um, and one of the things you shared in your sermon was kind of, these are old stories. So that's my first question. Um, why, why are we so focused on stories that were, I don't know, 2000 years ago, as opposed to the stories that are happening now with, you know, cause God is with us now or, you know, we're not, he didn't just say, Good luck, you humans. Figure it out. <laughs> why, um, why do you focus on these old stories? I don't, I mean, I just really, I don't understand. Um, so my answer to that is, um, and that's not, your thought is not an uncommon thought. I've known quite a few people who, one, would be happy just to get rid of the Old Testament to begin with. And let's just keep the New Testament. Let's just focus on Jesus as opposed to all these stories in the Old Testament Many of those stories, um, which are um, not happy stories, <laughs> there's a lot of um, there's a lot of dysfunction. There's a lot of um, well, horrible things that happen in the Old Testament, um, and somewhat doesn't really go unpunished or dealt with. I mean, there are. There are several stories of rape happening in Scripture in the Old Testament, and yet there aren't any kind of real harsh consequences for that. It just kind of happens, um, kind of thing. And so, yeah, so people want to, a lot of people would like to get rid of those stories, but we kind of need those Old Testament stories to set up the New Testament. Why? Do, why is Jesus here? Why do we need Jesus um, Christ? Well, we see that through the Old Testament. Um, I like to, I like to sum up the entire Bible um, as a in in a story format to say to show that from the very beginning God is trying to create a relationship between humanity and God's self, and from the very first story of Adam and Eve that relationship gets broken, um, so God tries something else, and that doesn't work. God tries the law, and that doesn't really work. God tries prophets. That doesn't really work. And continue, God of trying to um, uh, to be in relationship, to mend that relationship that for, really that people have broken. Um, because throughout all of that is God's covenant, is that the covenantal promise that God makes that God will be God's I mean, God will be the God of people, and then we will be God's people. And in that covenant, God always goes first. Every covenant you read, God makes a promise and promises to be our God before we have a chance to say, and we will be your people. Um, God never puts it saying, if you do this and this and this, then I will be your God. That's, you know, that doesn't happen in the covenant story. And so we see that covenant played throughout 
all the Old Testament, Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Jacob, um, Elijah, I mean, the, Elijah, the prophets, it's all about restoring the covenant and restoring the relationship between God and God's people. Um, and so we kind of have to have that because that's, we see the story of God in the world um, and the story of God with God's people. And then we get to the New Testament, and that is essentially it's just an extension of that as well. It is yet another way in which God has is working in the world to restore that relationship. Um, lots of folks would call that salvation, which we are saved. Um, but kind of the idea we're saved, especially from Presbyterianism and Calvinism, going back to the original sin, Adam and Eve, we are saved from that. Um, Christ enters into the world. Um, and does for us what we cannot do, um, kind of thing. And then the, the covenant is restored, um, kind of a thing. Um, so that's one reason we need the old, I think we need the Old Testament stories. It's because um, it is the story of God working with God's people. Um, and that changes, the story changes a little bit in the New Testament, because now it is God in Jesus Christ, manifesting human form in Jesus Christ, working in ministry with God's people. Um, and then the third aspect, the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, once Jesus was uh, died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, the Spirit was sent with us. The Spirit continues to work with us, be God's work in the world with the Holy, through the Holy Spirit with us. Um, so it is a progression, if you will, of, um, from the very beginning, uh, to now. Um, but those stories, all those stories together help us see that one, in the passage that I used yesterday from Romans, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Um, God has had every single reason to abandon us, to give up on us, to, to you know, wipe us out, start us all over again. But we see in the Old Testament, God never does that. Um, God never abandons. Uh, there are things that consequences of actions. I mean, there is the exile, but God still works even in that. God is working to restore the people, restore the covenant relationship. Um, and so without those Old Testament stories, without seeing that persistent love of God, despite every reason imaginable, God to say, just I quit. God doesn't. So those stories are important to help show that pattern, God has never given up on us. So therefore, why would God ever give up on us in the future? That makes sense? Yes. And then I, so it leads to another question. Um, and, and thank you for that. Um, what would this story be now? Because we're in a global awakening. I mean, we're, you know, the, you, you can't, you can't um, ignore that there is a call to, greater compassion and love and understanding that we are all one. So if, if there was another book, the new, new Testament, mm -hmm. what, um, what, what stories would be in that? I mean, we had our, we had, we had the plague right. slash pandemic. Um, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, yeah, to, to, to wonder what would those stories be? What would a third testament be? Um, that is one of the challenges, maybe, of the fact of how our Bible came to be, um, and that it was officially officially closed by church leaders. Um, was it 1546 with the Council of Trent? Um, that means it's it's done. Uh, kind of thing. I don't know what it would take to open it up and have a third testament, um, but my guess is it would be long after any of us are alive, um, kind of thing. But if there were to be a third testament, I think it would be stories of the Holy Spirit acting in the world. Um, it might be the story of um, Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. Um, you know, it might be stories of. Uh, Greta Thunberg and you know uh, restoring you know restoring God's creation with the, uh, uh, climate change and ecology and those kinds of things. Um, I guess that's what it would be. The challenges. Um, God is a prominent character in the Old Testament. Jesus is the prominent character of the New Testament. New Testament. Um, Holy Spirit would be the prominent character of the whatever a new or third testament would be. Um, but I would imagine it would be stories, um, stories of, yeah, the Holy Spirit working in the world. Oftentimes, looking back and seeing the Spirit work in the world. Um, I don't know if we. I doubt we anybody of us actually do a very good job of recognizing the Holy Spirit in the moment. I think we often I recognize the Holy Spirit. Well, so let's talk about let's talk about that because. Um, um, Let's just talk about the Holy Spirit, um, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God is part of all that is, every tree, every leaf of grass, every human, every animal, the air we breathe. God is omnipresent, right? And I was reading something the other day that it took 10 different attempts to get humans actually on the planet and and being able to survive like it took a minute for us homo sapiens to be here um and you know one of the shifts i think i think one this is my limited understanding i don't have the education you do but i think what jesus helped us see is to say we are all God. Don't don't buy into these rules that are man-made, right? We all have part of the God particle in us, and maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is. Is we we are here to do God's work. All of us, each and every one of us. Every tree is here to do God's work. Um, and and I think most of us can can relate to an experience when we're doing something or engaging with people or even just contemplating in meditation or prayer or whatever to say, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So back to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? And and why do we need an intermediator? Intermediary. I can't say that word. Mary, help me. Why do we need an intermediator? Um, 
Well, that's one. The intermediary is one way to look at the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, I look at, maybe this is a, a, a tangent of that. I look at the role of the Holy Spirit more of that, um, which helps us understand and, and and see what's going on and connect, connect the dots, um, if you will. Um, and like in, in terms of um, reading, reading scripture and understanding, I believe it is the Holy Spirit that, um, as we're reading, it helps us make those connections. It's aha moments, something similar to what you just kind of said. Um, I don't necessarily think the Holy Spirit is a uh, intermediary in meaning that it stands between us and God. Um, I wouldn't look at it that way, but as um, the way in which God um, speaks to us, the way in which God moves us, the way in which God helps us to um, deceive to see God in, in the world, to see Christ in others. Um, that is kind of more of the, of the Holy Spirit, um, inspiring us in our to, in, as we grow in our faith um, and to make those, um, make those jumps or those steps forward in our faith. Um, I think that I look at the Holy Spirit as being involved in those processes. Um, and so... Um, for me, the intermediary aspect of that would be more along the lines of um, the Spirit is walking along with us in our in our journey, and maybe some of a tour guide, um, not in the way of getting in the way of or preventing us or having to go through the Spirit, but helping us to see things and to see things that we may not normally see on our own. Um, to use the idea of a tour guide, if you've ever been on a tour. You can walk through this museum or whatever or whatever it is your tour and see all kinds of wonderful things. But when you have a tour guide who can point out very specific things, we can see have a greater understanding, greater uh, of what we're seeing or what we're experiencing. And I would look at the Holy Spirit somewhat like that. Um, the Holy Spirit allows us to go deeper, to see a greater depth of um, of what God's telling us in the message um, and the stories. It's what helps us connect. Um, things that are not necessarily scriptural or faith-based um, and still see messages um, of where God might be moving. Um, for example, you know, after disaster, the people, there are lots of people who give and don't, you know, donate money and donate time and even go to places and help. Not all of those people do things out of faith, um, but they, you know, but we can still see them, God working in all things, because we talked about in the Romans 8 passage, we believe God is working in all things, not just Christian things, but God is working in all things. And I would say that is the Holy Spirit. That's the role of the Holy Spirit is moving and pushing us and helping us um, to live a Christ-like life to some degree, even if we don't really necessarily uh recognize Christ in our life. I I still think God is at work in all things for good. So how do we call upon the Holy Spirit? Or is the Holy Spirit just always kind of with us as the tour guide of life? Um, I like to think that the Holy Spirit is just always with us um, and not necessarily with me as an individual um, kind of thing, but with us. Um, we call on the Holy Spirit and ask for the Holy Spirit's assistance in prayer. Um, uh, kind of thing, and that, and it's not like we ask for the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit shows up. 
um, and knocks on our door and say, hey, I'm here to help, um, but is just with us. Um, and uh, and the, the more I think we study and more that we live a, a life of discipleship, live more of a Christ-like life, um, we'll live a more of a community of faith life, um, we become more and more in tune with the spirit that is with us. Um, but I never really thought, and maybe I don't think necessarily that the Holy Spirit is just waiting for us to ask. Um, as a somewhat, I think, like to think a good Presbyterian, um, if we have to do the asking, that puts too much on us and takes it away from God. Um, you know, we believe grace is by a gift by from God alone. There's nothing we can do to earn it or deserve it. It is given to us. Um, I feel so much the Holy Spirit as well. It is given to us. We can't necessarily call upon it. We can't use it when we want to use it. It is always there. We may not always recognize it, but it's always there. It is given to us whether we want it or not. Um, so, so the way you describe this makes me think that the Holy Spirit is in some ways our higher consciousness, seeing the oneness and operating from love and compassion, you know, for ourselves and others. Is that, is that, um, what, what would you I've say to that? Say that? I mean, kind of say that, you know, it's that voice inside of us that, you know, the conscious, um, I get a little, maybe a little uneasy with putting it too much in us. Like it's something in the back of our brain, kind of a thing that puts it more on us, that we're the, the that we are it, um, as opposed to the spirit um, being the spirit and whatever that is um, speaking to us, a, the vo a voice that we hear, um, kind of as opposed to some kind of, you know, part of our brain where the spirit resides, you know, or, or kind of a thing. Um, you know, um, but maybe, I mean, maybe I, I, well, the Holy Spirit is it our ego, right? So it's yeah. not our ego that no. talks to us all I, the time. I, I, I would argue the Holy Spirit is external of us. Um, although the idea of being made in God's image, um, we're able to uh, tune into it better. I mean, we have, you know, the ability to connect with it, but I would, I don't know if I would go as far to say that the Holy Spirit is um, a physiological part of us. I think it's more of a, um, a lack of a better term. It's a God thing that that enters into us. It is there with us, but is not a physiological part of us. Um, but who knows? <laughs> Um, part of my is it is it pure? If it is Holy Spirit, kind of just what humans get, like do the other elements that God created, the air, wind, water, tree. It is does everything have the this Holy Spirit in it, or just as humans? Because we need a little more help. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I've, to be honest with you, I have never ever thought about that. Um, my, I, I tend to want to default on, you know, theology that, I, that I, I learned in school and kind of thing and to kind of say that it's probably somewhat more reserved for humanity, um, kind of a thing. Um, um, but who knows? Um, 
I am secure enough in my faith to say that I probably have things wrong. <laughs> um, and Well, and this is why we yeah. have these conversations. It's, there's no right or wrong, right? Yeah. There's just an expiration um, to your point in the sermon. It's like, well, wait a minute here. Like, I remember when I was at First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, um, when I was going through confirmation and we were studying the New Testament, and I remember thinking, where are the new, why, where, were the, where are the new stories? You know, because because if God wants us to understand it, I don't think God tries to make things hard. I don't think I think God tries to make it really easy, right? To be connected, we make yes. things hard by creating symbolism and doing parable parables and song. I mean, we we made it hard. We make it. We I, I totally agree with that. We make it hard. Um, we get in the way. Um, um. Cause like I can tell I've been, I've been blessed to work with a lot of people in my career and I, I can tell when I'm in alignment with the higher good, I can tell when I'm not yeah. right. So I typically set an intention right before I have, you know, a connection with people. Um, to just like, let me, let me operate, you know, from a, a way that expresses, you know, compassion and clarity and connection. That's typically my mm -hmm. go-to intention. Um, and let me be the best version of me I can be. That's what I got. That's all I got to give is the best version of me and at, at, at any time. But I can tell that there's, I can tell like when I'm in alignment, it's like, oh, I'm meant to be here. This is right action, mm -hmm. you know, and things are flowing through me. I'm not making things up in my ego or my intellect. I'm more like showing up, you know, as the God particle, as I like to call it. Cause I think we're all the God particle. Um, yeah. I mean, may, yeah, maybe. Um, I think it's a little different for everybody. Um, and how they and how they feel that connection and how that connection happens. Um, there are certainly times in our, I would hope, of all Christians' lives, there are times when there are they feel uh, more connected with God than with others. Um, we have the ebbs and flows, the highs and lows of um, of our faith. Um, you know that's and that is clearly evident in Scripture as well. Um, I mean, Psalm eighty-eight is about as depressing. Uh, depressing us scripture verses you, passage you can you read and read um yet um it's there and you know and no and god doesn't it's not used as a way of god saying this is wrong you shouldn't feel this way um it's an example of how we all feel as people of faith that we have those times when we're not um connected we have those times when we are connected we have those times when you, you say we're feeling pretty aligned um and then there are times when we're you know feeling uh that we're nowhere close to being aligned um in that um but i would also say that most of that time when we um when we get out of alignment it is us getting out of alignment um with god as opposed to god getting out of alignment with us 
Uh, yes, because the covenant yes. is there. God is always yes. with us, loving us, supporting us. So with that, I always like to leave our audience with a little tip. Mm -hmm. So what's your tip on how people can kind of connect to and allow the Holy Spirit to do its thing? <laughs> um, well, I guess the tip is sometimes we just have to get out of the way and don't overthink things. Um, and, um, and try and try to figure out and we call this discernment, try to discern when is it, when are we doing things or thinking things because it, because we want it to benefit us versus benefit God. Um, you know, um, you know, and we've seen that in scripture. Um, I mean, you know, the example, the King James version of the Bible um, that so many evangelicals will hold on to, um, it's not the original. There's plenty of original kind of stuff. And a lot of that translation was translated to benefit King, the King, you know, King James um, kind of thing. Um, so when we can get out of the mindset of what's best necessarily for me, you know, um, and let the spirit move um, in us and kind of get out of our own way. That's my tip. Now, how do you do that? Um, well, this is going to be the educator in me speaking. We do that by reading the scriptures and seeing past stories of how that has happened. Um, because we understand those past stories and see those past stories, we realize there's really nothing new under the sun. Um, we can trust God. Um, but also in that God is acting and working, but that also realizing, and this is getting out of our own way as well, God doesn't work when we want God to work. God works when God works. Um, we can't make things happen and say, God, fix it now, kind of a thing. That's just not, just not how it works. Um, but as we read the scriptures, we study the scripture, as we engage with the community of faith and engage in discussions I think that all that opens our our minds, our hearts, our eyes to seeing the spirit working. Um, but even then, and this is another benefit of having the Old Testament stories and the New Testament stories, is it consistent with what we have seen and read in the scriptures? Um, does it hold the same message? Um, for example, we talk about God is love and God is always reaching out and always with us. If we are practicing a theology that has any semblance of hate in it, or we treat anyone with any kind of hate, that is not, in my opinion, not the spirit working. That is our own way, getting in the way, our own thoughts into that. Um, because anybody that would tell you that it is okay to hate a certain group or person or anything like that um, and saying that theologically that is just not consistent with all of scripture and so to me that's a discernment of wait a minute I need that's not it's not consistent um, and the Holy Spirit pushes us and moves us um, to be cons consistent with what we know of God, what the overarching message of God love is um, kind of thing. And so that's part of it, I think, is always 
but to do that, you have to understand and know the story. You have to understand, know how God is working in the world or how you see it. And allowing the Holy Spirit to do that is when we see that and going, is that consistent with what God wants in the world? I have no idea if that made any sense or not. Uh, <laughs> Um, oh, thank you for that. Well, I think you had you at the beginning, like we have to get out of our own way a little bit. It's not it's not our way. I mean, I one of my daily mantras is everything is working out perfectly. Like we don't know the higher order of things, you know, um, just because I might want something to go a certain way today doesn't mean that mm -hmm. that serves, you know, the highest good of, of everyone. The other thing I was, when I was listening to a meditation this morning, they said, if you ever um, question God's love for you, go outside, take your shoes off, plant your feet on the ground and the grass and the sand, whatever, and hug a tree. Yeah. Be because that is, you know, spending time in nature and really understanding that God loves us so much that all of this is here for us all the right. time. Um, yes, um, you know, exactly right. Um, from the creation story, um, we were all part of that creation. Um, you know, the first the, Genesis chapter one, it's not just us created, God created all things. Um, and, um, and we are meant to be uh, stewards of that. Um, Kind of thing and so part of that is in, uh, embracing all of god's creation um and recognizing that mm -hmm. it is all for us and then we are all for it um then it goes both ways it's not just uh, uh, a dominion aspect of it which that chapter likes to so many times has been translated as dominion um it's really all of us together um yeah it's a wonderful way. and everybody has a different way of connecting with god um and embracing that for some it is to stand out in nature or to watch the sunset um, for others, it is to be part of a, uh, community, uh, or to be singing a hymn together, um, kind of thing. We all have those different aspects, different ways in which we can grow closer to God. Um, for me, it's oftentimes seeing, um, I go to a, a youth conference every year in Montreal, North Carolina and seeing, seeing young people behave differently there than they do when they're at home and the way that they welcome and embrace one another. Um, for me, that's how I, I get renewed and refilled in my, my energy um, is seeing that, seeing the spirit work in others um, uh, kind of thing is renewing and refreshing to me. Uh, but uh, we all have our different ways of doing that and finding that connection. Well, Chris, thank you so much for exploring Absolutely. these, these, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're topics that we'll never really get an answer to. So yeah. it's just, but this is what these yeah. conversations are meant to be. Is that like yeah. sport? Let's explore some That's of this. That's theology. Stuff. So for our audience, we are so grateful for you and welcome your questions too. So um, please email us at um, firstfpclincoln.org and we will take your questions. So with that, Chris, I'm going to say goodbye right. to you. Stay safe and cool during the heat. Thank you. Of the summer. You too. And thanks for having me.
Thanks for joining us at First Presbyterian Church, where faith is nurtured, curiosity encouraged, diversity welcomed, and all are loved. Find out more about us at fpclincoln.org. Mm.